Welcome to Church Triumphant again this morning. As you can see, we're on location for the second week in a row as we, as we continue our series, Dead Come to Life. If you don't have a Bible, there's a yellow one there, a new believer's Bible right in the pew in front of you. And we encourage you to take it and use it this morning. If you don't have a Bible you can understand, um, that's a gift from the people of Church Triumphant to you. We want to make sure you understand what God has to say and, and how much He loves you. So take that with you. We're going to look at the book of John, chapter 11. And if you don't know where to turn in the scripture, in that little yellow Bible, it's page 949. And so please open up there. I don't know about you, but I feel like this winter has been just excruciatingly long. Like it's been the eternal winter. We just started and just never stopped. And it cycled through and cycled through. And just when we thought it was going to be over, it just keeps coming at us. But I noticed something the other day. As I walked past my wife's flower bed in front of our house, I saw the beginnings of new life springing up between the mulch and all of the dirt. Green plants were coming up. Resurrection's happening. We went through a long, a long winter as a family when I was a young boy. It started with some relational discord at the church we were attending when my grandfather was to pass. We had a lot of other family members around us. and There was a time of death, that time of separation that took place during that. And, and I remember my dad describing the story to me about how he walked into my grandfather's office and told him that we were going to be leaving. My dad served as a board member in a couple other capacities at the church, and he was they were going to leave. The pain and the grief was already selling into the, to, to my mom and my dad's heart, to my grandfather's heart. My dad uh, just, just trying to express to his father the, the, the pain they were in and the frustration they had. And I remember my grandfather looking at my dad, and, and as the story was told to me, and saying, son, I'm worried for you. You might lose the apple of your eye, were the words and I was just four years old at the time and my dad's mind, the fear of loss gripped my dad and thinking maybe my grandfather was speaking something prophetically over our family and that I might, something might happen to me because dad's running or whatever, like, like Jonah. What happened during that next few months was my grandfather was diagnosed with a brain tumor and then after that he, he, he was found with, with, to, be, to be well. He got a good doctor's report. But sometime in the middle of the night he was given the death sentence. He passed away in the middle of the night for an inexplicable reason. And we had to deal with not just the emotional loss of what was going with our church family and us, but now we had to deal with physical loss, physical death, and the grief that ensued. I know all of you know about that. You've been in places like this. fear we all live with, the fear of loss. 
Cheryl Paul, she's a counselor, an international known counselor, who deals with anxiety issues. She's quoted as saying this, the only problem is that fear, once it rears its forceful head, it shuts down the heart and eclipses any knowledge of the truth. Fear's entire mission, she goes on to say, in life is to keep you safe from the risks of loving. That's so true. We feared loss and then it happens and we want to go into our own tomb, into our own casket and be shielded from everything else in life. We begin to grieve. We begin to mourn. Those two words, grief and mourning, are found in the scripture 34 times. So it's at least many many times. The concept, the idea of grief and mourning and loss is found many, many more times. If we allow grief to have its way in our lives, we will be immobilized, unable to live, unable to move, unable to feel, unable to relate. It'll take over, take us over. It is a natural response to loss, to death, but it cannot remain permanent and it must never become normal. Salespeople try and use that against us. They get us over a barrel because we fear losing something, we fear loss. And, and you've been in that room before, you've been in that sales floor, you've been at that car dealership where, where that, 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 that's pushed at you. And, and you're going to lose this, you're going to lose that. Think about your kids. Now, all those words they use. Pete Godfrey, he's a man who's a, who's a marketing expert. He trains entrepreneurs and salesmen. He's, he, he says this, but as entrepreneurs, we must realize many are not that way. It's easier to motivate the masses with what they will lose as opposed to what they will get. He tells them to do a million-dollar exercise. He says, first, write out all the things your prospects might lose by not getting your product or your service. What will they miss out on? What will they lose? He said, the next thing you should do is come up with power words. His power words describe each of those products or services, how they lose out if they don't use them. And he says, he calls them pain words. See, today, we've all dealt with pain. We've all dealt with loss. We're dealing with it in all kinds of ways. Some of us in this very room right now, our hearts are breaking. And if we allow that breaking of our heart to immobilize us, to bring us to a state of death, if we begin to grieve inordinately for a long period of time, we'll end up making decisions that hurt us in the long run. The fear of loss and grief motivates us to do wild and crazy things that, that hinder us. We will constantly make wrong decisions that seem protective at the outset for us, for our children, for our church, for our business, for our, for our lives. But in the long run, it's detrimental to our growth. It's detrimental to our future. Instead of detrimental to our relationships. In particular, if we allow it to settle too long, it hinders our relationship with Jesus, with God, and others. And instead of living, we, we exist in a state of death. We have oxygen in our, in our nose. We have blood coursing through our veins. But we live in a state of death. Here's the, here's the deal. On that journey of grief, on that journey of loss, there's a person who stands in the middle of the road. His name's Jesus. And in John 16, he quotes these words. He says this, Be a, In this world you will have trouble trial. Those words are interchangeable in some translations with the word sorrow and grief. In this world you're going to have some kind of trouble that leads to sorrow and grief. He says, Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Sometimes grief comes to stay at our house. Sometimes the fear of loss comes to stay at our house. But this morning we're going to take you on a journey that will show you what happens when help and hope come to the house of grief. You don't have to stay in this room. You don't have to stay near this casket. You don't have to stay in front of, in, in front of this. You can come out of it. Let's find out how. Would you join us on the journey? Would you walk with us finding life and resurrection? Yeah, I'm not alone. I realize you breathe out. I come alive. 
Your word gives life to my dry bones. Your breath tells death they can ride on. Awake me, make me a living stone, a testament to your throne. I am nothing without you, I'm on my own. The only one who satisfies my soul.